This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. I was hoping we'd get like one last music reference before the grand final, but we didn't get it. Anyway, hello, everybody. (laughs) Something about Macklemore. Chuck it in later. Dale Roots is here. I am simply the best. Well done. And it's better it's than speaking all. of thrift shops. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yep. And better than all the rest. Harry Ramage joins us for the for the biggest show of the year. We had to have our big game player coming off the bench. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm larging and a charging. So let's ready you. Uh, let's get stuck in. You sound so enthusiastic. <laughs> hey, mate, the, the, the blokes just work for 15 hour a day. Leave, leave the poor yeah. man alone. I'm, I really am large and in charge. I'm really looking forward to this grand final. Yeah. Yeah, great. That, and that's the sort of hard-hitting analysis we've come to expect from you over the years. <laughs> <laughs> the Fox League headlines are going to ring. Punter oh, mate, haven't they, haven't they just been fucking embarrassing this week? Jesus mate, Christ. I mean, three of us um, used to work there, but none of us currently do, so we can sledge them as much as we want. So One of us is immune to Fox Sports. It never worked there. It's true. <laughs> um, you worked in the building, though. Yeah, I may as well have worked there then. You're right. You there, worked yeah. in a level in above Fox Sports. You were you were there. I was in proximity. I don't sort of understand what that job you had was. You just like watch DVDs and like listen to music all day? Yeah, that sounds like it. That sounds like my current job was with sports. <laughs> 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 yeah, but anyway, um, so we have finally arrived at the last of our six podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed the previous five, but um, this is our final one of the week. Perhaps we'll do a quick post-game one for Patreons only, but yes, this is our grand final preview. Uh, we've spoken to a Melbourne fan. We've spoken to a Penrith fan. We've talked about how they got here. We've talked about last week's games, and now it comes down to the big game itself. But before we start talking about that game, Mitchell, you want to have one last M take? I have M takes, yes. So obviously, you know, as any good M take is formed, formed at the pub this afternoon post-work was the take that the Dally M's is the only thing, well, not really the only thing, but the only thing in rugby league disadvantages Sydney teams. And the theory is based on, well, not the theory, actually the fact. The fact is based on, go through the Dally M's since 1998, since NRL era. Only seven of them have gone to Sydney teams. The rest of them have been regional teams the last decade. you only got Sydney Roosters with Tedesco in 2019, Hayne in 14. Uh, then you've got uh, Ben Barber in 2012. But the theory is based around, you know, those out-of-town teams, you know, Newcastle Count, Newcastle Cowboys, Warriors, now the Raiders, those teams that people don't actually watch that much of. But when they have a big-name player or two, those are your vote-getters. And we spoke about how Whiten was a reputation vote-getter this year in that Warriors game, no better example, that he got Simbin, dropped the kickoff, put a kick out in the full and got three votes. Yeah, you look through this, you're like, you know what? Like, to me, it makes sense that, yeah, you look, White and won it in 2020. Two of us check one in 2018. And you go through, like, Tamalolo's got two. Thurston's got four. Cronk's got a couple. You go back to Danny Badiris getting one in 2004 when, he, when the Knights weren't even that good. Johns has three. He somehow dragged like, them to 10th that year. They were a crook squad and he got yeah, them to 10th. <laughs> but, yeah, it just seems to be the only thing in rugby league that advantages names not in Sydney, which is weird because, like, the – Generally, players in Sydney, you know, you get big names. Like, Tedesco is one of the biggest names in the game, for example. Mm. But the Roosters and those teams, how the Roosters have two Dally M's in the last 11 years and one of them is Todd Carney. And, I mean, even the point that you make about Hayne in 2009, like, he still, even, and I know that Parramatta are obviously the most central team geographically in Sydney, but, like, he was... The, the name on that team. So the point, even then, the point that you make about like White and getting reputational votes, like Hayne did drag them to the to the grand final, but still, yeah. like, was he the best player in the comp that year? I mean, yes, he was probably the most informed player in points of it, but was he the best player? Probably not. But as you say, like he, they would have said, oh, Parramatta have done, got to the grand final this year. Jared Hayne is good. Nah, come on. Uh, that that washes for Haynes' other Dalian, nah, but he was unbelievable nah. in 09. Yeah. 09, he had that. He, I think he deserved it then. And His 2014 Dalian, you're absolutely correct. 09, yeah, he, was, 09 he was fucking sick, man. But, that yeah. team was shit, and he took them to a grand final. <laughs> so if, so it feels point. like, but what, what it feels like, though, for you to win it in Sydney, 
you have to have a year like Hayne 09. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Carney Barber, Barber like 2012 is pretty close. Yeah. You have to have those type of years because if not, if you just have like a... If Jason you know, Tamalolo I mean, played for the yeah. Roosters, there's no chance he would have won his Dalian. Ever. Uh, even Tedesco last year. Like Tedesco was... Yeah, he was great. Like inarguably mm-hmm. the best player in the world last year, in my opinion. Yeah. It definitely. So, to me, he was. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Like, so it feels like if you're not... If you're at a Sydney team, you have to actually be that leap above everyone else to actually earn the Dalian. Whereas you can be a goodish player or great player at another club and yeah. be up in those votes outside of Sydney. And, and while we're shitting on the Dalian, this, this harebrained idea, which is definitely going to happen because someone <laughs> said it. And so Peter Valandis <laughs> will just do it. Switching from the current format to a, 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 a basically a format where they're going to give every player on both teams, a rugby league week uh, rating out of 10 is oh, fine God. in theory. If you have people like the former rugby league week workers who like meticulously watched the games and actually may put some thought into giving each player and, and made getting a nine or a 10, like a big deal. Like, it was a big deal when someone got a nine or a 10, you know what I mean? Whereas like you're going to get these people who, Already, you can tell from the way they judge three players that they're not watching the games that they're adjudicating on. Now giving random scores to 34 people. It just seems absolutely insane. Well, like Blocker one week, I swear to God, I heard him give Josh King origin hype. He's he's a future rep player. It's like fuck. He's what, what's he going to give him an eight out of ten one week? Like I know in, in, in Blocker's defense, scale, but like seriously, <laughs> maybe he meant like country seconds as yeah. Josh King's future rep <laughs> team. Yeah, and and the know. problem with that as well, mate, is like the, very often the same judges get the same teams. Like yeah. Daryl Halligan's a big voter in New Zealand. It's like so. What is say Halligan? His eight is my six. Yeah. Are the Warriors losing and getting a well, bunch this of eights? Is, this and has I'm been the biggest sixes. problem because basically this, basically they're asking them to do player ratings for every game, which is like the single most contentious thing in rugby league media. Like you ask me or you ask Campo, people have done these a million times. Like mm. you get flamed for them and and people just have different barometers. Like I've always approached it as a five means you were good, like you were average because that's literally what it means. But most people who do out of 10 player ratings take a seven to mean someone was average, oh, even though man. that's mathematically that's, not that's what it means. Not how it means. No, no, but that's what, it, that's how it's usually is. Like you, you always read, Oh, did, did okay. Ran hard seven out of 10. It's like, well, that should be a five. So yeah. you're going to have people who approach that differently as well. It is such an insane idea. And then that doesn't even address our main issue with the Dally M's, which is that it's still giving each game an equal weighting. It's still mm-hmm. making 15th versus 16th in round 23 worth as many points as first versus second in round 23. Like yeah, the, it the doesn't current, fix that yeah, at all. The, the current system is like communism, right? Like it, it's mm. like to have the same way. It's great in theory. Game, it does sound <laughs> magnificent in theory. Like every game matters like that. That's it, but it's just it just doesn't, man. Like when they when they're doing like rule trials in the last ground, like right last round and stuff like I that. I can't believe I can't believe that those games were worth the same when it came to Dally M folks. What do you think if they did it last year? Payne Haas scored twenty seven points and say if he had twenty seven points in like for Brisbane this year mm. and he gets three points in a game that they have literally said, Look, we're taking the piss here, we're gonna try some ridiculous rule changes. He gets yeah. three points and wins the whole thing. Like yeah. Panas probably up. wins it last year. By the way, if he was if he played the entire year, that's a ridiculous yeah. that that mm. yeah. yeah, and that, and I guess that would have probably jump started the conversations about fixing the format a year earlier. But yeah. and, but would and, he and have been rookie of the year? Maybe I don't know. Uh, but I don't want to. And I, I again, we said this the other night. But I don't want people to think we're denigrating Jack White, and we all think he's a great oh, player. No. But you go find me one person that watches rugby league each week that thinks he was the best player in the competition this year, because I doubt you a- can. But that's the thing. I normally, I like we know who it's going to be. I actually didn't know who was going to win it this year. Like, well, I assumed. I thought Cleary was a lock. I thought Cleary was a lock as well. I didn't, especially think, after we got that news about the the votes. I didn't think Cleary was a lock because he missed those two. Like he, I thought maybe he's he's still probably going to get it, but I didn't think he was a was a home run because of the two games he missed. Um, I thought yeah. Gutho was going to go. He did go close. That's I, thought, yeah, that's I, I, I was going to say, if I didn't, if, if, uh, if you told me Cleary didn't get it, I would have assumed that Clint Gutherson did. I, I didn't even factor Jack White into the equation. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's bizarre like that. But yeah, as you said, this 10 point system wouldn't work because all you need is like, it's also impossible, honestly, for one person to watch a full game and within an hour of post game actually give good player ratings for 30 You need to players. take a few days. You do. And, yeah. you know, for example, so what ends up happening is the same problem that happened with the previous Dalliums is that they'll go look at the stat sheet. And my, the, my first nightmare was like, man, imagine the points Pat Carrigan would have got this year in a losing yeah. side 
40 plus tackles, you've got like eight, eight like every week, and it's been up near the top. Yeah, that would have it's happened. Not, but yeah, that's just a silly system. And like, it's there's so many easy solutions, but the feels like the easiest solution of all just of them. Just use is like, the NBA method. Even if you don't want to use that, right? Expand the voting pool and have it anonymous. So you can't have this situation where you have guys who are the same voters every year who talk to each other, who are very good mates, who know who they're voting for or know who they have voted for, know who they should be voting for. That discussion goes away if we're doing like 25 media guys, 25 former players, the bloody referees, whatever. Bigger pool, more voting. I don't even care about the rest of the system that much, but it just can't, it's got to stop being one person on one game, every game equal. Yeah. Huge problems. And then what happens if someone gives someone an 11 out of 10? Yeah. System I mean, wins. System's back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say that we imagine someone needed an 11 going into the last round and they get it. I'd, I'd you, actually enjoy could, that. Yeah. Could you imagine they, they put Campo in the voting pool and they go, let's go look at his historic play rating and see if he can be a Dally M judge. And they find that one. They're like, this joker. <laughs> he's in. We had he's you in. in. Then you gave Tedesco an 11 out of 10. Game one, 2018. Done. You're out. I only gave him a 9.5 for that game, so I get to stay. Thank God. All right. So let's now move on to the main reason why we're here, not just to enjoy each other's company and mock the Dalliams, but also to talk about the National Rugby League's grand final this weekend. So we've got the Penrith Panthers playing the Melbourne Storm. Um, before we get to that, though, there's the uh, the women's grand final first between the Brisbane Broncos and the Sydney Roosters. Shock horror! The Broncos are in another grand final, Mitchell. <laughs> um, it yeah, it's kind of those things. Like I don't know how you pick against them at this point, mm. uh, especially with no you, Charlotte Catholic for the Roosters. Yeah, the thing I found most impressive with this entire NRW season is Meg Ward's kicking. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, she, isn't like, she like up there like the most accurate male or female kicker ever now? Yeah, and she's had sideline conversions. So she's missed one conversion this year, but she's nailed a couple from the sideline. Like I saw a number the other day compared to like other guys in the NRL and she was, yeah, as you said, up there. Better sideline conversion rate than Jared Croker, for example, who is a good goal kicker. Zahara Tamara as well nailed one from the sideline as well. Like I think, I think that's probably the next evolution in the women's game, right? Is she going to see like, you know, Meg Ward is like, well, she's the first sharpshooter, right? But you'll probably get a roll on of like, in three or four years' time, you know, you're going to have one in Just get Sam Kerr time. on a wing, Harry, is what you're saying. Basically, yes. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. As long as yeah, she's not taking them from 10 metres out right in front. Oof. Oof. Little penalty joke for the fans. Oh, Enjoyed it. One. Enjoyed Thanks. it. Well, maybe that'd be worth it. Maybe, maybe you should be hitting those anyway. Maybe. But, Nothing um, about yeah. my trauma. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's just like... You're foolish to bet against Ali Brigginshaw, and I'm not going to. So I'm going to take the Broncos to win by 12 points. Well, I mean, she did win the Sally M medal, so <laughs> she did. <laughs> Can we not say it's the Sally M? Because in Buzz's column, the Sally M used to be like a, a bit of a piss take on it like did. who didn't name up. So maybe that's a little bit disrespectful. What maybe the Dally W. Play on words. The Halley M. There we go. Oh, well, that's M. good. Maybe they should just have a name of a good woman. Player. It should just be called the Kernervine medal. Yeah, <laughs> so we have this thing, right? No. I can't ever. But, oh, fucking. I will but, yeah, say, so... I um, watched that Roosters Broncos game last week, and is it Taryn Aiken who's the lock for Brisbane? Uh yeah, she she played. She, is, uh, she a, was she, she played halfback player. I think last week with a yeah. dumb. I think her and Ali had some weird jersey like, position change. By the jersey mm. being the same, but yeah. Regardless, yeah, like she is a superb player from what I watched last week. You know, fast footwork, and then you know she's. Ball playing pre-line, offloading in the line, um, coming up with try-saving tackles too. Like there, there wasn't much that she wasn't a part of last week. So, um, yeah, if you're watching the early game, she's definitely one to uh, keep an eye out for. One funny yeah. thing I, I read, um, I was looking at the preview on the NRL's website, and they've got their tipsters doing their picks and stuff. Obviously, most people pick the Broncos, but um, someone who's managed to pick zero out of six for the year has picked the Roosters. So. That How have you picked zero in the NRLW? I have no idea, but this person has obviously tipped against the Broncos every week and it's, uh, with uh, poor results. So that's pretty funny. Uh, um, never uh, didn't they have like don't they have like the panda or something where it's just like randomized tipping? Is that in the Herald? Uh, no, we had Stanley the Steel Avenger, I believe. Yeah, um, that's true. I haven't looked at footy tips yeah. in a while. Yeah, like, I mean, he did he punch anybody? Oh, you want to hear a funny story? Yeah, so I'd love like to. Peter Fitzsimons for like the last decade in the rugby union tips is just like he just gets given he just has doesn't tip he just gets given the home teams in the super rugby every week 
has never once actually done tips, but his name's in there every week. Peter Fitzsimons. He, he is a he is a terrible human. But anyway, well, let's not say that. But like, it's pretty. I've funny. said it. I've said it. Okay, it's so that's there. just a thing people know, or I don't know if it. they know. I mean, if they read the paper every week, it's not that hard to notice. But yeah, I mean, I used to have to put them in the system. Ah, uh, but what so. you're thinking is that people who read the Herald read the rugby. Good point. No, we have a surprisingly high rugby readership. But yeah, pretty funny. Ugh. Just never never once tipped properly. But um, yeah, Stanley the Steel Avenger is in the NRL tipping section. So um, yeah, but anyway, uh, Broncos for me. What about you guys? Uh, Broncos 13 plus. I won't say 13 plus, but I, yeah, I do think, you know, the, the bigger stars of the game, like Tamika Upton, Ali Brigginshaw, and Millie Boyle and those likes are on the Brisbane side of the ball. Mm. And I do think, yeah, to be not comfortable, but probably, you know, without Kaslik, the Chooks have got a real handful because, like, Kaslik's brought so much energy, especially when they kind of get a roll on. But obviously, without her there, like, they're they're missing the, the you know, Damien, double NE, Cook, uh, you know, kind of thing going on with with the quick play of the balls and the scoots. So I think if, if, if the Bronx do what they do well, well, then, uh, the, the Chooks for me might be in a world of pain. $13 plus gamble responsibly on the Broncos. Thanks, Harry. Yeah. Um, anyway, so now we move on to the men's game. Um, Penrith Panthers, Melbourne Storm, the uh, two teams that finished first and second respectively on the ladder. But weirdly, and we'll go to you first, Harry. How does it sit with you that the a billion wins in a row Penrith Panthers are $2.20 outsiders? Well, I mean... Realistically, like I've thought about it a lot, I think it's just a big, a big tip of the cap to like the Storms organize, like as an organization. Um, the fact they've got the best player ever, maybe the best coach ever. Um, like Mitch has the, left the chat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I said maybe. Um, mm. You know, like they've got all the things going for them that you want to have going for you. Uh, then I, I guess there's probably. A, I mean, and those numbers are sort of dictated by like what the punters think as well. And I think the safest option is to just go, yeah, like, well, you'd like your money on the storm. And I think people are thinking Penrith have got to fall over at some point, but maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just go through and win 18 in a row and win the comp. Um, and I think the youth of Penrith is something that, that, that the punters are betting against as well. And you do see this in big games quite often. People are going to put their money down on you know, the battle hardened, the experienced team rather than the rather than the young upstart side. Like the you look across a number of sports, the odds the odds of Penrith winning, you know, as a as a young up and comer. I'm not saying they can't win. Like I'm not saying that for a set, but like the safest bet is to just whack all your money on the storm. So yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's the same kind of thing when you look at like election betting. Like, yeah, polls are really interesting and great. And like, we get a lot of information out of them. But also like, if you look at the odds, people are going to put their money where they really think people are going to like where they think, uh, who they think will win. And I think that's a really good explanation with this as well. It's like, well, Penrith haven't played in a grand final for 17 years. None of these blokes have much grand final experience. Like they're, they're obviously a very young team. And as Harry says, like, all of these Melbourne blokes, they know how to win, et cetera, et cetera. They've been there before. And I know that they lost the grand final uh, two seasons ago, but like this Melbourne organization is built around winning. It's not built around getting to the grand final and losing. They've, they've, you know, they've been there before. Most of them have done it before. So it would make sense if you're a punter to play it safe and go with a team that you think, you know, as I said, um, yeah, well, take I mean, the uh, chocolates. Yeah, well, I think as well, like, and I'll go back to like the original question with Mitch. Like, this is Cam Smith's eighth grand final, eighth grand final. Mm. Dale Finucane's sixth grand final. That's, like, that's crazy. Ke- um, Cameron Munster's playing in his fourth grand final. Yeah, and then basically you're looking through the Storms team list. What are you thinking? Like, uh, Tino for Suomalawi, uh, and Nico Hines, they're probably the only guys who haven't played in the grand final. Justin Olam is the other one. And Brenko Lee, like they've, they've got 13 guys who have at least played in the grand final, whereas Penrith have two. Yeah. Cam, Cam Munster has played in, uh, I think, roughly 100 and, what, 30, 135 NRL games. And this will be his fourth grand final. Yeah. It's like yeah, that's, it's that's cr- so something like te- maybe. So what he's been playing since 2014, the Storm have made the final every year. So you could say that what like 
10% of his games will be f- like finals games? Yeah. No. Be, uh, yeah <laughs> That's insane. Not 10%. Yeah. Yeah, we will they, quickly. They, they missed too many finals. I do want to mention Harry's thing about um, mentioning the youthful side and the experienced side going into the final. What it reminds me of is the 2017 Super League final series and Castle for Tigers and Leeds Rhinos. And if you watch Follow Super League, Cass went into that final after the Super 8s. They'd scored almost 1,000 points in 30 games. They'd scored 965 points in 30 games. They were five wins clear of Leeds. Looked like the team to beat come the finals. And Leeds looked like the end of, you know, that dynasty. And it, it was pretty much the end of that dynasty after this game. But they go into this final and Leeds just beat Hull to make it. Castleford just beat St. Helens. But from the start to the finish of the final, Casper never in the game. It got done 24 to 6. I think Greg Eden scored like 40 tries or something. Yes, yes like it that. is. But that's it. That Leeds Rhino side, that was Danny Maguire's last year at the club. Joel Moon, I think, last or second last year at the club. Matt Parcell was in nine. Ryan Hall's last year there, Callum Watkins, which before he departed, but they had a lot of those guys have been around the traps in the big games for them. And they hit that big game and that, and they just separated themselves from the, the form young side. Yeah. Um, before we go any further, we should quickly run through those two teams. Um, the youth coming up first at start. Dylan Edwards at fullback, Josh Mansour and Brian Toto on the wings, Brent Naden and Stephen Crichton in the centers. Jerome Luai, Ivan, uh, Ivan Cleary, Nathan Cleary, the halves. That would uh, be a selection change. It would, it would be a bold move, wouldn't it? The switch coach. I mean, he's only, Cam, for the he's only Cam Smith's age, so why not? That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, James Fitzharris, James Tarm out of props with Appy Corusau, the number nine. Bill Kickow and Liam Martin on the edges and Isaiah Yo at lock the bench. We were expecting it to be May, Capewell, Leota and Tedavano. There's a few guys there still haven't been ruled out of the 21, but for now we'll just assume it's... That is their team. On the other side, it's Ryan Pappenhausen at fullback, Suliasu Vindavala and Josh Adokar on the wings, uh, Branko Lee and Justin Olam in the centres, Cam Munster and Jerome Hughes, the halves, uh, Christian Welch and Jesse Bromwich, the props, with, of course, the GOAT, Cam Smith in the number nine jersey, um, Felice Kafusi and Kenny Bromwich are the back rowers, and Nelson Asafa Solomona starting at lock. On the bench, you've got Brandon Smith, Atino Fasumawali, Dale Finucane and Nico Hines, barring any late changes as well. Although, uh, Mitchell, would you be shocked if Bellamy pulls a late change and we see Finucane start in the place of Asafa Solomona? No, I wouldn't be shocked, but I think I think which is the way it's been working for the last five to six weeks of them has been working with Nas playing lock and playing a bit of a shorter stint some games. But just with that early, you know, what do you call it? Like the you know the evening out period, you kind of you you're kind of trying to find your middle and win the middle battle. I think maybe a Sofa Solomonis keeps that spot. And if they were going to bring someone off the bench, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Welch either. But I just I think they're going to keep the same seventeen. And I do think Penrith are going to keep Tyra May on the bench this time. Yeah, I mean that that does seem like it will be the case. Why do you think they went with that Naden May switch last week then and would go away from it? this week i mean i know he scored the try but he didn't really seem all that effective in that position apart from that moment so i had heard word that south were looking to target brent naden's defense and i don't think penrith would have heard that but maybe they've seen something in the in the vision leading up to the game that they're worried about naden defending against that left edge of south's i don't know i honestly it just felt like one of those coaching big brain decisions that's happened in big games sometimes just do something different for the sake of it I actually, I can't figure. I don't know if you guys got any other takes, Harry, on that. No, uh, I, yeah, no. I mean, it's possibly May is a little bit better defensively, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. So, um, very rare, guys, that we get a grand final with um, both teams at absolute peak uh, fit in, uh, in terms of selection. No one's got any niggles. No one's out through suspension injury. Harry, you were pulling your hair out when you uh, heard us mention the other day. <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh, Isaac Luke missing the 2014 grand final. We couldn't think of anyone else who'd missed a big game. You were so mad you sent us a voice message. Yeah, so take I it was. away. Well, actually, like the point you just raised about, you know, the two best teams all year in the big game, like that's the most exciting part about this. It's like, you, you don't, you just don't get this all the time. Like in 2017, you know, the Roosters and Storm were the two best teams all year, but you know, the Cowboys played, played the role of turd in the punch bowl and, and, and knocked them out. You know, like it, it happens quite regularly that, that we get a bit of a shocker and, you know, it happened in 2014, like this dog crap Penrith side really, you know, that was just, 
kept together by like good intentions and and a lot of luck, mate. They had a guy called Matthew Robinson starting in the second row that night, and they knocked the chooks off in week one, which meant that the grand final that we wanted to see was the week prior to the grand final in the Roosters South prelim. You know, so it, it quite often does happen that like it, when all the marbles are on the line, we don't quite often get the two best sides squaring off on grand final mm. day, and that's the that's the best part of it. And you've got. Cam Smith, I'm going to say it's it's his last ever game, um, and you've got the young new the new generation Panthers, right? You know if they want their glory, if they if they want to be the top dog and win 18 in a row and be a historic team, you know, it, it's like trying it's like it's like trying to like knock over Michael Jordan, like you know, to win the NBA title kind of thing. It's like you got to go through the big dog in the yard. Mm. You, know, like you got to go over their dead body to do it. And that's you've, got to, beat, you've got to beat the best to be the best. What? That's yeah. the whole thing about the finals. Yeah. Come on, Harry. You, you had a perfect chance to go with Ric Flair's most iconic quote there. I know. Yeah, I know. And to you be mean, the man, you got to beat the man. Well, that's it. Yeah, you just got to take. You just got to take out the big dog in the yard, and then like, mate, like if Melbourne lose this, I'll have lost three grand finals in five years. You know, like, do you think they want that on their, you know, like in Cam Smith's last five years of his career? Like, where, no. where would you put and, that? And it would, would probably put that, uh... on, it would probably weigh on their minds as well that they weren't able to send Billy Slater out a winner. No, like, yeah, that sucked for them. Like, they were terrible on that night. Like, they, they, like deep down, those guys that were there, like Cameron Munster as well, like, he was awful in that game. Like, he People forgot that twice. game. One of the worst yeah. grand final performances I've ever seen. Yeah. Two yeah, sin bins. Two. He got, yeah, he got set off. In that. <laughs> no, he didn't get set off. He got two sin no, bins. No, I, I mean, he yeah. was effectively sent, nominally sent off. Yeah. Um, like, you don't, like, like he's going to be burning from that. Like, he'll want to put in, like, you know, the game of his life. You know, yeah, so, that's a great like, point. Yeah, like, that's, that's, you know, that's the exciting part for me, just to sit down. And for an hour and a half, two hours, it's just the two big dogs who have been yeah. quite clearly the best teams all year are going to yep. slug it and out. And you're right, mate, because I, it's a great point. I hadn't really thought about that either, but you're right. Like Most years we don't get the two best teams at full strength just going at it. So I guess we've got to hope that it doesn't rain as well so we can get, get both – we kind of see the full potential that both of these teams have on show. But as the we said all year yeah. – Maybe we should have got the three-game grand final series that was thrown up. Remember all those like yeah, crappy yes. ideas during an like, awful the idea then, but I'd Not be all for it now. Best of three series would be sick for this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, and we have touched on it a few times this year. But it is, it is. You do have to think that perhaps just given the the quality of the Storm team this year compared within those last couple of game, uh, last couple of final series, this is probably the best team that they've gone into. Mm. They've gone into the finals. With. I wouldn't say all three probably. I mean, I think that. 2016 team is better than this team now, but it's certainly probably better than their 2018 team, I would argue. Yeah, that 2018 team obviously didn't have Cooper Cronk in it. So Cooper Cronk's playing for the Roosters against them. And they also had uh, Joe Stimson starting in the back row. And I've never been a Joe Stimson fan. And the bench wasn't as strong. The same, I think we went through this other day. Same guys there, but just not as into their careers, into their experience mm. at that point. And Will Chambers, Curtis Scott in the centers. I know Billy at fullback's a big difference. But it's this team is stronger. This team hasn't got a weakness across the, the full park anymore. Yeah. Like Branko's no. in good form. But like Jerome Hughes is the biggest upgrade of all that is Jerome Hughes at seven after his experience last year and this year yeah. over Brody Croft at seven in that game. Even in that twenty sixteen team, they still had a couple of like they had Chase Blair in the centers and they had I mean, say what you will about it, but Corabetti wasn't a very good defensive winger at all. They still had a couple of weak spots in that team that they don't really have anymore so it might even be better than that 2016 team now that i've pulled that team up and i'm looking at it but it's close either way and it's certainly a touch above what they've been putting out in the finals for the last couple of years so yeah and from 2017 right, they um they missed by the way if you guys forget from 2017 to 18 when they went and lost they'd lost uh cronk tohu harris and jordan mclean so there was three big players and that mm. were gone over that year period that's why it's you know not the same quality as the 2017 team that pissed the competition in yeah, yeah. Well, that 2018 storm side was like, I remember the whole year thinking like, damn, like we had four teams win 16 games, another four teams win 15 games. And it's like, these guys have just won 66% of their games. They are like quite clearly nowhere near as good as what they were last year. Mm. And they got within one game of going back to back. And I thought they were just going to like fall over the line and win back to back premierships. Like, you know, like they were, yeah, like they were a shell of themselves, but, and, mm. and I guess it proved on the biggest night of the year, but yeah, I think, I think they have found that, that extra gear that they lacked last year. And that I think 
we all kind of knew coming into finals. We just weren't sure they had that next year. I think, but I think they've got it this year. You know, they've, you know, they. I think they realised halfway through last year it's like, man, we're not getting, we're not going to get it done with Croft. Like, we're just going to have to roll the dice with Hughes and just make shit happen with him. And it's it's worked out a treat for him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I guess what 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 do Penrith have to do in this game? To, I guess, I mean, th- th- with everything that Melbourne have got in in their attack and their and their ability to score quick points, and I know Penrith have a lot of that in their team as well, but they have been the masters this year of nullifying other teams. They nullified South brilliantly last week, and they did a pretty good job of containing the Roosters two weeks before that. So, what do they have to do to the likes of Smith and Munster and Pappenhausen in this game to give themselves a chance? Oh, you think you have to copy the twenty sixteen Sharks blueprint, like? Firstly, that if, the, if there's rain and they can keep the kicking game up like, like they do, their great kick chase and their pinpoint kicking, that's always going to help. But they have to do what the Storm did and like run at Ken Smith as much as you can. It, it doesn't happen often enough. He's hard to find, but the, the, the Sharks made him make, what, 70-something tackles, 73 tackles in that grand final, and he was off the pace the other side of the ball. And if you're going to like take something down, take a beast down, take it down, take his goddamn head off, take Cam's head mm. off, like go for him. Because he's, he's going to get his most of the game, but if you can try and wear him out, you'll see the storm crumble. It never, it never happens, well. It happens like five times ever, but that's the way it's done. Well, I actually think as well, like I, I made some notes about this game. I think, I didn't think I would ever say this, but I think I'm, I'm on your line of thinking, Mitch. I think Penrith have to, if it's wet like it is going to be, like you would think the grinding, boring storm would be playing to their hands. And I'm not so sure that it does. Like I think you'd be asking them, they are open, free-flowing and expansive. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to ask them to play the grinding style that they probably really haven't prepared for to play in the game. You know, like um, like Smith is a great kicker and he, and the, the kicking that he, you know, put forth last week against Canberra, like it was just sensational. His tactical kicking early in tackle counts and stuff like that. And then you're asking Munster, you know, to not, you know, to not look for big plays all the time and rolling in a little bit more. You're asking Jerome Hughes to do it a bit more, who's got a really good short kicking game. Mm. And then if it's that kind of game, it takes Pappenhausen out of it. Like you don't want, like Penrith don't want the game to be free flowing. Like if they can, they have to kick the ball into touch, you know, on the, on the, on the 10 or on the 20, you know, they've got to try, you know, and Cleary has to be really on song with, okay, when do we want to push the base, push the, push the pace when we, you know, kick it and keep it in play as to, all right, now, now let's kill, now let's kill possession and get them from a set restart. I I think if it gets down to that kind of game, I think it does play into the younger, the younger side's hand. Like, and it's Mm. just, and it's just a play style thing. You would think yeah. that favours the older, experienced side, but the Storm are just a such a free flowing side that you're asking them to play something that they've they haven't played in two or three years. Yeah, I'm with you, Harry. Mate. It's like when the again when the Sharks beat them, the Sharks beat them playing Storm Rugby League. You know, they thought it was Storm Ball, and that's I think this Penrith team are better at you know competing, completing end of their sets than the Storm are. They're better at the, the field position game of Rugby League. So like that, I actually think you're right, mate. If they control the kicking game. Slow the pace down. They'll win. They'll. That's where they'll win the game. Mm. People generally think that's how Storm win games. Storm want the, the ball in play, and they they want to play it early, and they want good good clean weather. They want dry weather, which won't be there, but they want Pe- good early yeah. ball out wide, which they can't get if it's pissing down. And if Pe- if Cleary's making them turn their forwards around, pinning them down ten out, they're not going to have the energy to do those long spreads they love doing towards yeah. that left hand side. That yeah. was the part I loved of Cleary's game last week, and I know and Gus fapped over it, but. You know, and it, and it's something that doesn't happen a lot in big games now. More than happy to kick on third and fourth tackle, mm. like like that's the evolution of a really good halfback and just a really good side in general. Who they all trust one another and they know it's on, and they're happy to win. And they were happy to win that game without the ball last week. Um, and, you know, and you can't do it all the time. And you know, you've got to use that as the cheat meal rather than the diet. But you know, when if you can execute that really good third or fourth tackle kick, it just sets you up for like the next five to 10 minutes of play perfectly. I also think as well, I think the spot defenders for Melbourne are their centers in 
Branko Lee and, and Justin Olam, and you sort of got to use their their strengths against their, their strengths kind of against them. Like we know Justin Olam loves flying up out of the line and doing something stupid. Well, Penrith have got to figure a way how to get around him now. Whether they whether they play play a bit deeper on the right side, you know, maybe that's one way to counteract it or something like that. But they've really got to use that against Olam. And then with Branko Lee, I think he's really susceptible trying to defend Jerome Luai or Stephen Crichton because we know that Jerome Luai throws a sensational dummy when he's when he's turning blokes back underneath him to run that overs line. Yeah. And then he either goes on the outside and puts Mansour away or um, Branko Lee, like side to side, he's not the most agile guy. Like he's 100 plus kilos playing in the centres. Um, you've got to use that against him. Um, and Stephen Crichton set up one of Nathan Cleary's tries in that qualifying final by the really late dummy, the really late pass back on the inside. And then Crichton's away because he's just an athletic freak. Um, yeah, like they're, they're the opportunities that they've got to create, which it's going to put pressure on Storm's three in defenders. So you're asking Munster and um, and Jerome Hughes to all of a sudden make a lot of decisions as mm. well. So they've really got to manipulate the centres of the Storm, I think, to win. Yeah, and as I'll... you say, I mean, that, that point about Olam coming out of the line, you can see, uh, you can see Cleary digging into the line and then Olam running out to hit him and him just playing a ball in front of the center to the winger going into that hole behind Olam. Like yeah, that's or whether, a, I think or, or to the center. Yeah. 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 Or I could just see like Olam coming out and then playing that run in behind and Munster or Hughes, who's he'll be defending on that side being stuck there and the winger being stuck on the, on the, on the sideline and then running that like running into that hole. And I can just like, I can see it happening through that camera that's on the far side. Like I can watch that ball coming towards me as if I'm watching it on TV when you yeah. describe it. Well, I think um, Olam does like, like he does love rushing. He loves up, flying into he, hip blokes. And that's his most comfortable. But if you've got like a really good early kick or something that makes him yeah. twice, and then all of a sudden he's got to stay in the line, then he's mm. uncomfortable. Then that's out of what he normally does. And I'm, you're going to ask him that. to make another decision. So, that, like, that, And then you've got to execute that, after yeah. that. But, you know, you give yourself a chance if you can do that, I think. Yeah, um, the, the, the try that the try that the I remember we did the the rewind game, the hoodoo game, the kick that the dragons played in behind the line, over the top to Gaznia sliding in behind. Like again, that's a good point where you you could play that kick and they may not necessarily score off it, but it makes the defense makes that right side defense think. Hmm, maybe we've actually got to keep Olam just tucked in a little bit here. Maybe we've got to if he feels like he's got to go out, somebody's got to tell him to you know, stay in the line and keep him disciplined in the line. And that way, as, as you said, like he's not going to be able to run up and make that big hit, which both preserves Penrith physically because they're not getting killed. And it, it weakens Melbourne def- defensively because they're not being able to have that weapon run out and make yeah. that big hit. I feel like in another world, the Storm would have loved their sides to match up the opposite. They would have loved Owen to have the opportunity to physically hit Crichton and hope he crumbles. Mm. It's not there, but I, I do think what you're saying, Harry, they should, as they do, they should definitely target that Branko Lee edge because also Felice Cafusi over there, who has been a quality player for some time, has cracked in big games in his time. You might remember back to Origin game one, 2018. Mm. He missed eight tackles, led a couple of tries to him and a couple of dumb penalties, I believe. Yeah, there in was that, that game. second half in that game where um, James Tedesco and Latrell Mitchell down short sides and stuff. Just, yeah, just ruined his life. And they and they did and it happened another origin in 2019 as well. And and it's not that he's easy to crack, but that's where I'd be going. That's the avenue and that's where Luai operates, Kikau operates, and it kind of works out for the Penrith in that way. Is that like their biggest strength is also the possible storm weakness? Yep. So I just don't think I know a lot of people think the storm have this one easy just because of who they are and it's Cam's life game, whatever. But I don't think it's as easy done as, as most do. You know, no, I just think that, that Penrith no team way. have no weaknesses. No. Like they're, no, really, no, no, no. they're only conceding 11 points a game for the entire year. Like they, they try it like once the competition resumed, they trailed once at halftime. Ridiculous. It's, 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 that's, in, that's insane. Like soft draw or not, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And if they get on top, mate, there, there's. This, like the storm need I know it sounds dumb they need to be in control early because this yeah. Penrith team getting on top with how they get behind each other how energized they get their foot's not coming off the pedal like I know cam control work his way back in the game but clear his kicking game's good enough to counter cams 
Like that storm wanted to come out of the gates. And I kind of have the feeling like, you know, the 2018 grand final, I knew it was over 15 minutes in. You yeah. know, the Roosters had won. I reckon this one, I have a pretty good judge, 15, 20. And like, yeah, I think I'm Agreed. Like, this one's over or not pretty quickly. Yep. Agree. All right. Well, yeah. So how much difference is, obviously, they bombed quite a few chances down their left last week. How much difference will Bill Kickout make this week? I'd say a lot. Like, Kurt Capel was good last week, but he did have a couple of errors in him. Um, you know, adequate replacement, but Kikau just has so much more strike. Um, you know, he holds that he holds that ball like a piece of fruit. You know, like he can just <laughs> always can just love get, that. Mate, he can just get rid of it at any chance. And if you've got Luai on the back of that and Stephen Crichton on the back of that, that that like that's quite exciting if you're a Penrith fan that Kikau is going to be back in. And yeah, he's. I mean, he didn't play like he, he he's rested up. Like he's had three weeks mm. off coming into this game. And he'll be angry. Yeah, you hope that he's ripping and tearing and that he's ready to run like a goddamn freight train. Like, because if he shows up in the mood, like that, that like, like that's the other X factor for Penrith is you get kick out on one of those days. Um, yeah, like that's he's, unplay- he's unplayable. It's like yeah. when it's like when Sammy used to be in the mood mm. and you'd just be like, well, somebody's going to die today. <laughs> so sorry about that. But yeah, as you say, like if Bill Kickout gets on, if he, if he wants to play, like you better bring out the green curtains. Cause there's going to be a dead body on the pitch. Well, like Mitch, you'll probably answer this, you know, better than I, I could, but yeah. And there's no, and there's no like hard or fast way to correlate this, but there's a certain fluency that keep, like when kick out's there, Mm. Their shapes just works like I, I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think we see. I don't think we see those little timing errors and things like that. No, I think it's thirty to six at halftime last week of kick out plays. Probably, yeah. You get pounded, yeah, because like not only does yep. the timing work, but he just draws that attention that he always will. He makes Luai's job easier. He draws defensive attention. He's that guy who makes it. Sometimes at halfback who ends up standing still because he looked left and right. He's that guy that makes that happen. And Kurt Capel doesn't scare anybody as good as he is. And, and I think. You know, he's a big way they can win that game and their kicking game with him as well going up is a big way. But I also think for the Storm, the counter is like when you work kick out, he goes missing. Most games he makes like over 20. Like he makes like no tackles, which is fine. That's how they play. He yeah. makes about 21 or 20 a game. Most games he makes 25 to 30 plus. He has less, less line breaks, less, less tackle breaks, less offloads because he's tired. But I think the counter is Storm have to send traffic his way as well. Yeah. So, we, and, so what and, you're saying yeah. is that it should just if Cam Smith and Bill Kicker run at each other all night, no one will ever <laughs> score a point. Nil all draw. Okay, great. <laughs> we'll be playing till November third. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously that is the trade-off with the attacking fluidity. You do get a little bit worse defensively as well. But I think Penrith will obviously take that any day of the week. Um, up front, it's quite an interesting battle. Like both forward packs are so good, and both don't really rely on one guy to get it done in terms of middles. So you're not really looking at either team and thinking that one has a substantial edge on the other, or am I wrong? No, I think, that, I, I think it's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, I think the Storm bench is an advantage, but also maybe I agree with that. enough yeah, credit yeah. to Moses Leota and Ted Ivano the year they've had. But I, just think, I think I disrespected think... those two guys a little bit uh, going into the last week's game, by the way. They, were, they, they thoroughly outplayed the South bench who we'd spent all year waxing lyrical about. So Leota's um, been great all year. Like, yeah. he, he probably gets into the Origin team. And he, just because the other rest of the pack's doing so well, it's kind of like come off the bench. He doesn't get as much credit because guys like Yo, yeah. Tarmow, and and, uh, and Fisher Harris. Harris are well, I, I, I read today Fisher Harris had a Lamar Jackson quote in his home gym to inspire him during lockdown. So I'm all well, in on him. Choke you're on, it's a big game. Mate, yeah. come on, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Mitch, ruthless. I think as well. I think I think. Um, well, I think the good thing for Penrith is right. Like, I mean, they only have two guys that have played in. Um, in grand finals, right? Coruscant was in the top five players on the field for South when they yeah, won. absolutely. I thought, I thought he was yeah, terrific, yeah. Uh, and had the uh, Clive Churchill Medal in 2015 not been such a narrative-based award, Tamo could have won it. I think Tamo was probably the. Best I think him and Jake Granville were the top two. Yeah, and I, Milford I, was the best Bronco. Yep, um, they, yeah, they, they were my best three players on the field that night. Um, so you've got Tamo who. 
is having a just a, a sensational year. He's at his absolute peak in best like at 32 years old. Like, I mean, like he's been in the league for 13 years, man. Like, like he's Crazy. seen like he's seen some shit. He's played in a ton of big games. Like, like that's a guy. If you're James Fisher Harris and you're a bit nervous and you know that, like, you know, I'm really good and I've been probably the best prop in the comp this year. I think. Agree. Um, yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I'm ready to roll with that guy. Like, yeah, like we. Yeah, I feel safe with him. Like going in, and it's not to say that the Storm guys, you know, won't feel unsafe. But I think for the young Panthers pack, I think that Tamo just is gonna is sort of gonna give him that little bit of like just assurance that hey, it's okay. Like it'll be right on the night. We can. We can do what we've done all year. Like it's yeah. Like we don't have to change too yeah. much. We've we've just got to go mm. up in intensity. You know, it's a good point. Yeah, it I, is I nice just... to just have one or two of those guys there. You don't want to. I mean, it, I, I I always think people over exaggerate big game experience a bit, but it is probably nice just to have two guys there who've been there and won grand finals. I want to also... mention we're missing one of those people, so we don't get any. Nick Camden call-ins like Harry. Zane yeah. Tedavano played in the 2018 Grand Final. I, he did, yes. That, you know, and that's another guy, as much as I dislike him. Um, Great for his season. Off, like, off the field stuff. Like, he was a valuable contributor in that Roosters Premiership side. Was unlucky to not... Was the 18th man or whatever last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. Yeah, like he's... I mean, there was a reason they bought him. You know, like they wanted that you know, that, that experience, you know, to be their 16th, 17th player in the roster. And yeah, like they get great value out of him every week. You know, he comes on, plays 30, 35 minutes and he just whips yeah. in the whole time. Yeah. I think that, um, I, I think that's probably fair. And it is just, it is nice that you've got a couple of guys there just to sort of maybe calm those guys down. Like you said, has, but yeah. Yeah, and you obviously got Nathan Cleary as well as played origin. He, he, I don't think he'll be shirking any responsibilities either. And I think that, I mean, it goes without saying that his kicking game is a large part of why they've been so good this year. And as Mitch said before, if it's raining and they get on top early, it's going to be really difficult for Melbourne to wrestle that back from them, I think. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, though, like, we so understate the Storms team. I feel like we haven't given no, them any oh, no, no, no. somehow. Like, oh, uh, no, come on. I don't, I don't, I don't, I no, think this episode of the same. We've been pro We're zigging week. where everyone else is zigging. zagging, Mitchell, because yeah. everyone else has put the Panthers up at the turn outsiders. They're not. And I just Better. think that that's silly. Um, yeah, the biggest thing for the Storm for them is when you say big game players is that they've added, the added guys. Well, yeah. I mean, but they've added guys now. Like, and I, and I am mentioned on on our uh, podcast that you guys would have heard yesterday. She mentioned that Ryan Pappenhausen's field goal against the Roosters was a big moment for her in the context of their season because, like, she came, he came out and kicked that, and nobody expected it, but it proved there was someone else. There was another option for a play like that for them. Because yeah. that was still one of the concerns was Cam Munster isn't kicking that field goal most likely. Mm. And it's Cam Smith at dummy half or similar. That was a concern for them. And in those situations, I have Pappenhausen. And he's sprinkled more kicking as the season's gone on. It's like they've got a bit more variety in their game than they had the last couple of years with those key playmakers. And, you know, Jerome Hughes is still learning halfback, which is ridiculous. But his kicking has seen to got better on a weekly basis. Like he kicked really well last week. I think he I could lose to 150 like, and he mm. wouldn't have played better than he than he did last week. Like, he was... He was exceptional. Yeah, he was terrific. Like, and, everything he touched turned to gold last week. And um, the, another yeah. guy who loves playing 100 miles an hour. I, like, I hope it's a little... Like, it's not too wet because I still want to see Storm be able to play at a bit of, a, yeah. bit of that pace they play at. Because, like, when they play so frantic, you're not supposed to be in such control. Yeah. But yeah. they mix that so well. Like it's Yeah. Yeah, I want someone control. to win, like, 34-30. I don't think we're going to yeah. get that sort of game. Neither. Because it just, just doesn't happen in grand finals. I, but... I also think, despite the weather, and everyone will say, oh, well, if it's raining, you know, you've got to shorten your passes and, and do all of that. I just think, bugger it. The Storm should just do what, you know. Like, oh, so you're still playing they, in Melbourne, mate. Like, yeah, well, it's like, fuck, if they think an offload's on, do it. Like, you know, like... Who cares? You know what? The passes might like if they stick, you know, they get, they'll, they'll probably win. Like, you know, because their style is just so hard to defend against. You know, they mm. they play every square inch of the field, you know, like it's so good down short sides, mate. Once they yeah. spread it, like this, yeah. as you said, they play side on the sideline, they stretch yeah. you across the goddamn park, and they yeah. that's how they win, mate. And so they shouldn't change who they are for the grand final. If it's no, I don't think they Agreed. should. Like, yeah, just okay. I don't care if it's hailing, 
we're just going to do yeah. this. Like, this is what got us here. And people might think that's foolish or, no, nah, it's not wise to do this or that. But it's like, damn, like dance with what got you there sometimes, you know? Like, I just, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you say, the point that, about playing in Melbourne, like I know they've got some players who are coming through this year who are, you know, first years, but other blokes who have been there previously who have played their whole seasons in Melbourne and trained their whole seasons in Melbourne. I know they've been playing in Queensland this year, but like, as you say, like if you've ever been in Melbourne in <laughs> August, no there's, there's, man, there are some shitty evenings down there when it's cold and wet and gross. Yeah. And I feel like that's what it's going to be like in Sydney on the weekend. Um, and as you say, you've got to dance with the one that brang her, you know? Well, so, I, I think as well, I think it'd be remiss for us to not, um, and we'll sort of even like just touch on quickly. Like, they haven't been home since June, these guys. Yeah. Um, I, like, I, I just think the fact that they're there is an enormous achievement. Um, if they win the premiership, like that, like say what you want, like all these people are, you know, Melbourne Storm haters and stuff like that, but you cannot deny that that is one of the greatest premierships of all time. The, like, this, yeah. there, was, there was, there was <laughs> yeah. always a lot of chat about this year being the asterisk. And I no, think that if no, Melbourne... Screw win, that, man. If, I think that's no bullshit way. for so many reasons. I know, the main one being that we were two rounds in when all this shit happened. And, and also we had, 20, we, had 20 rounds, we had 20 rounds of footy back in the... Yeah. And you know, really as, all we took out was the origin period. Exactly. But like my point is a lot of people have spoken about this being an asterisk year, and especially with like a team from Sydney winning and and all the teams being based in either Queensland or, or New South Wales this year. Like if, if Melbourne, as you say, if Melbourne win this, this is an incredible achievement. Do you know what's weird that I was looking up just when I was talking about how I kind of hope it's a close high scoring grand final, but we never really get those. There's only been two grand finals in the NRL era, which have been both close and had over 40 points. One of those was 2013, Manly Roosters. And the other one was the Newcastle Parramatta game, which was 30-24. Although I'm not sure if you can consider that a a close game. That was a fake close game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So really just 2013 is really the only time I can, that that we've had like a reasonably high scoring affair. That's also been a close game, but I'm kind of hoping we get one of those this year. That game was great. That game's a really underrated grand final. 2013, the last on the losing team scored, Three tries? Uh, maybe. It's. I was looking. I, I know, the Broncos up, only yeah, scored like, two and they scored sixteen. Yeah. Well, then yes. Then yes, it is. I um, I've gone through some of my other notes, and I, and I know that the uh, the popular take is that oh, you know, this Penrith team now is the they're exactly like the two thousand and three <laughs> side. But I've written <laughs> I've written some things down. They really are like. They're going to play on a wet night. So yep. we've got to get Ivan Cleary on the sideline with a dries a bone and a walkie-talkie. I'm in. Um, we need him to win 18-6. But think the, about this, right? The coach's son is playing? Yes, exactly. We've got the father-son thing. So that's the really obvious thing. Yeah. Okay, let's go through the rest of the lineup. So you had Luke Prittis, an influential hooker with a good running game. Hmm. And then, really scary part, a superstar halfback enjoying the best season they have had as a professional. Craig Gower was going to win the Daly M that year before industrial action took the award off him. And, and before and, they played themselves. Yes, that is then, correct. And then a suspension took Nathan Cleary out of winning the Daly M. Spooky. Uh, yeah. Spooky. Um, a live wire five eight. You're like there's a there's a little bit of Preston Campbell about Jerome Luai. There is. Uh, a prop combination that had a seasoned pro and a young tear away. Like Joel Clinton like fell off a cliff pretty quick, but in 03, man, he was something else. Like he just his 20th run was as hard as his first. He's got a, like Fisher Harris is a bit like that. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, then you've got a lock forward in like Isaiah Yo and Scott Sattler. Like they've been underestimated like for too long. And then on the back of that, like you've got a talented three quarter line like Stephen Crichton. Like you had Luke Lewis, Luke Rooney, um, you know. And then you've got yeah, like it's a, it's a talented three quarter line, you know, that the Penrith side have now. Like you think Brian Toto is like. You know, Luke Rooney and like they're different play styles, but you know, the young, talented Penrith juniors, like all through the side. Like, I don't know who's going to play the role of Shane Rodney. Like, I think that's to ask that question. Who's Shane yeah. Rodney? <laughs> yes. Yeah, is Spencer Lingu Luke Swain? I don't know, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, oh, yeah, like it's just kind of uncanny how there's like those kind of like it sort of all matches up. And I've thought far too long about that, but it just, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And, and you had, um, yeah, the Bill other Kiko, side, Bill Kiko is Tony Polatua. 
Fair enough. Yeah, That's a good one. Tony yeah. was so good that year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he like was sick. The, yeah, the wide running strike back rower. Him, remember him and Nullivar just tearing the people to shreds. were just unbelievable. Yeah. Also, um, both their both their opponents, both like the sort of evil juggernaut that everyone wants to see taken down, and both yes. of those have a halfback on the bench for some reason. Nico Hines, yeah. Brett Finch. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I like it. Does um, so what you're saying is Suliasi Vunavalu is going to get tackled into touch by Isaiah Yo to win the game. That'd be pretty sweet <sighs> if that happened. Because no one's catching the fox. So yeah. it's got to so be that, the other guy. That Roosters team, by the way, is a lightning in the bottle side when you look back at it. It's like, all, so when those guys are in their best form at that time and we're like, that was it. Like guys like, like Chris, Chris Walker's Walker, one good Shannon year. Hegarty, yeah. right, <laughs> Fucking hell. Todd Byrne, yeah. Ryan Cross. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of these guys had like their one or two good years in that year. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Um, great point, Harry. Um, so are you going to tip Penrith to win 18 to 6? Margaret, I'm going to put that as like a Penrith by 12 exactly. Okay, I like it. Mitch? Finally, I've heard a Penrith tip. I'm so, I'm glad. Like, I'm not picking them, but I'm, I'm glad I heard one. Uh, I'm picking the Storm 16-12 because Cleary isn't missing a kick, so they're getting 12. But, yeah, I think three Bell? tries to two or similar. Uh, I'll take uh, Melbourne, uh, Melbourne 21, Penrith 12. Uh, although, uh, interesting note, Melbourne will be playing in white jerseys this year, and they have never won a grand, have never won a grand final in a white jersey. Yeah, they have to bring go. back that so bad it's good white jersey that just had the lightning bolt in the middle of it. I yeah. love the yellow jersey. one. Bring the well, yellow jersey. Oh, bring back so the yellow away kit. Yeah. That was really. Um, nice. I'm going to pick the Panthers as well. I think it'll be 24 to 16. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Parramatta are the only losing team to ever score twenty points in a grand final in the NRL era. Isn't that crazy? But was that was the question? Was the question one. also only losing team to score three tries? No, a cup Manly no. did that, and so did um, Dragons. Cowboys did, did, in did, that. Cowboys did it, it in two thousand and five as well. Eels did it in nine nine too. Uh, they didn't lose that grand final. That grand final never happened. That's, That's true. Right. It never happened, Harry. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cowboys I scored never three went to as that well, game. So. As, as the weeks rolled on, by the way, I've become more like this is lots lots of grand finals I go in. I'm like really against one side, or I don't want either side to win. No, I've not decided, this year. I actually want me bitter if Penrith win. I know I hate Gus and I hate the Clearies, but you've got to appreciate mm. when a team is playing this well. And if they play this Storm team off the park, that's just yeah, it. If they beat yeah. this Storm team. They have earned that goddamn comp. They have all this, this like if, the Storm. This Storm team is the final boss. And if you look at it as an from a neutral point of view, you go back and it's kind of like it's probably not since. I mean, because it seems like every year there was a team that people were pulling for. Like, obviously, people were going for Canberra last year. Probably in 2018, people headed both teams. Mm-hmm. 2017, everybody knew the Cowboys had no chance. 2016, that people were going for the Sharks. I don't care what you guys say. People were going they for were. the Sharks. They were. Um, Unfortunately, they were. I tipped the Cowboys in 2017 because I tipped them. You are I, a lunatic. No, but, this, no, but here's why. <laughs> like, I knew, no, but the, the, the reason was for that was because I knew that they would beat the Sharks because I'd watched the Sharks in person the week before. Yeah, and I was like, I did not like. They just, mate, they just didn't look like they were ready for fun. Like, like we're taking just... things. That, so I was like, oh, I'm going to tip the Cowboys because I think they'll win, and then they did. And then I was like, mate, like Parramatta, like allergic to success, mate. The Cowboys are going to come down and knock them off. And then it was like, okay, well, I just have to tip them in every game that they play now. And then I'm... they somehow beat. And I was like, well, I've got to tip them to beat the Storm. I can't hop off. <laughs> terrible Oops. terrible yeah. logic I, i'm gonna go as far as to say that there hasn't been a grand final where people would be happy for both teams to win since 2005 west tigers cowboys I, I, yeah, and i do think this one is not people will be happy with both teams i think we've come to that i, I think you people, are very wrong no, majority of society don't want the storm to win no but nobody like, wants the storm to win in sydney counterpoint fuck mm. them because yeah, they're no. not this is that's the opinion of you, you the, the small brains who don't actually watch the storm play and think that they're still this wrestling niggling cheating team when yeah. they're one of the most entertaining teams Hart. in the comp yeah what a ter- <laughs> idiotic tweet that was and then on the other side yeah like the side of snarky internet culture that we belong to hate penrith but the majority of the public don't hate penrith so i think what we're going to see is a game where i'm with you i don't really care who wins i'm just going to enjoy this game and it's i'm excited because it's the first time i can actually in just chill out and enjoy watching a grand final since 2013, which is insane. So yeah, bring it on. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, me yeah. too. Make no mistake. I'm cheering for the storm for cam, but I would not, I'm not that upset of Penrith. I, 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 I think that's a very fair take. I also would like cam Smith to and, go out and, and people top. like yeah, wanting Penrith to lose. Cause, cause Gus is insufferable. Gus is insufferable. That's just a fact. Make it, make that's your fair. Peace, make your peace with it, man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, if, you, if it's any comfort to you, you can say that they didn't win till after he left. So there you go. 
yeah. can have that fact to cling on to. Um, Clive right. Churchill picks. Let's do it. Yes. Um, do that. <laughs> all right. Uh, Dale. He'll kick out on a losing team. The fuck? <laughs> Okay. I would like the world that Bill Kikau is in a team that can lose with how he plays. Yeah. You have to run for like 280 I'm, I'm, I'm very pro. I like it. I like world it. Is a... All right. Fuck it. Fine. Fine. <laughs> uh, look, Coward's pick, but it's going to be Ivan Cleary. I mean, Nathan Cleary. I've got <laughs> You're, what are you doing? I've got You've a twice now. shock here, mate. <laughs> I've got twice. Harry, yeah, you man. had a good one. You had a good odds one early in the week. Yeah. So... Like, as we know, the narrative of the Clive Churchill medal, like someone has to play out of their skin to take it off Cameron Smith or Nathan oh, Cleary. Cleary. Yeah. Surprisingly, yeah. this is the only thing Smith's never won, the Clive Churchill. Oh, I think if Melbourne win, he's like a lock, basically. Oh, like, he, can play, yeah. he can play four minutes and get it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, I, I tend to think that too. But you know what? That's no fun. Let's look for value. James Tarmo, 60 It's a great pick by you. Great Hello. pick. Um, Narrative. I, I also think Jerome Luai, like all of us, mate, before the finals, he was $51. Like, and now he's at like 17. I think him and Appy Corusau are the two realistic options to take it off. Corusau mm. is a great shout, yeah, in my I opinion. Think, yeah. I will be having some cheeky bets on Corusau, Tamo, and Luai. For those reasons that you outlined, Tama is a great narrative pick because he's leaving. Yeah, he's a captain, all that stuff. Um, he probably 67. some people could say that he deserved one in 2015. I, I would have no issues if he'd got it then. So I think that's a great, great, great point by you. Do, do you guys see anyone value? Is, is it even worth trying to find someone value wise on the storm that could win this? Mate, Cam like, Munster can win it. Uh, yeah, but he's like the second favorite for storm yeah. players, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's Happenheisen as well. I mean, for him though, I think still. Yeah. What's, I mean, what's he paying? Ten bucks. No, that's reasonable. I just, it, uh, I've been burned by this before. It's ninety percent Cam Churchill. Smith to win it if they win, and the other ten percent is relying on someone like a Cam Munster scoring a double, you know, or or scoring the match winner or something, or having it playing out of their mind or braining them because they just they'll never give it to one of the storm forwards. It doesn't matter how well those guys play; they're never getting it. It's like it's. Smith, Munster, maybe yeah, it's a It's a spine player. I think, though, if you do want to find a value uh, pick, if you're looking for try scorers on the Storm side of it, first try score, like Josh Adokar, $8, meh, no fun. You know what's fun? Getting on either the back rowers at $36 yes. because the Storm love set plays in big games. Like they, mm. yeah, they love, they love little trick shots with back rowers. So they're a chance and- at 36 to 1, mate. And we did get a random question. We didn't ask the questions, but Michael Darren sent us a question and he, and on this topic. He says, if you're taking questions, what would it take for a winger to win the Clive Churchill? If Jason Nightingale didn't win it in 2010, I don't think anyone's ever going to win it. I but... think it would have to be a hat-trick, a match winner, and more than 200 metres. Yeah, Michael Robinson got the hat-trick in our way, but yeah. I'm... I feel like you've got to be the winger and the goal kicker. And score like eighteen of eighteen points. Yeah, that's a good yep. point. That's a good point. Yep. yep. Do, yeah, do a Matt Rogers and score. I feel like points. if yeah. if Para had made it with like in the semi years, he might have been able to win it. But like, there's very few wingers that you can even make a narrative case for. Like, even the other guys that score shitloads of tries, like Sione Katoa and Alex Johnson, are not winning a Club Churchill medal, even if they score. A hat I mean, they're also like, let's be honest; those guys are also rarely the best on the field. No, of course, of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. But AJ's um, a finisher, but but yeah, hmm. as you say, rarely, rarely a creator. Uh, if 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 you ask me to pick a winger in this game that wins it, I I don't even know. Probably Ado Car. He's the Jared most Croker. Yeah, it's the most Car, hey. If if he I cracked think, like two long field tries. Yeah, <laughs> I think honestly though, because I mean, it's, it's the Australian selectors still set, still um yeah. Yeah, I think you'd need one of those, you know, those Jared Hayne origin games on the wing. Yeah, yes, one of them might do it. That's a good shout. Yeah, or the, or the, what, the Morris game where he, yeah. the Morris game where he tackled what's his name, because they'd be like, oh, he deserved it. He was brave. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That would yeah. be my shout. I think that's probably fair. Um, but it's probably just going to be Cam Smith, isn't it? <laughs> but did I just yeah. call Greg Inglis what's his name? Apologies. You did. You I, did. I, I'm really yeah, angry. Sorry, you managed to offend. Paramount fans mind. and Apologies South fans all. in this podcast by saying Jared Hayne wasn't that good in 2009 and Greg Inglis is what's his name? I mean, in fairness, I only I only remember <laughs> current helps. rugby league players who haven't. Anyway, hey, Greg Inglis is going to be a star for Warrington next. Is it Warrington next year? Yeah, both, 
Both of those are great clickbait by the way, if they were headlines. Jared Hayne wasn't that good in 2009. Dale Rose tackles the, what, what no-name Queensland The Fox back. Sports yeah. is really getting to me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's, Next, it's I'll just, give you my 25 just, reasons why Melbourne can go They infected one. you before you left with just bad takes on good players. Terrible. Um, all right. Well, I think we've come to the end of this podcast. If, unless there's anything else anyone wants to say, I'm getting a thumbs up from the boys. So, Harry, thank you very much for coming on. We're always happy to have you, and we're very lucky to have your insights on this uh, podcast. Uh, where can people find you online if they want to yell at you or praise you for your takes? Uh, plenty of people yell at me uh, at Harry Ramage on Twitter. Um, yeah, I just tweet about footy basically because I do nothing else really. That interesting. So. <laughs> hey, you had some handcrafting there at some point. Handcrafting mate. was good. Yeah, I did, did uh, notice that you'd done some you've you've done some handiwork around the house, so that's good. Good well, stuff, mate. I've, mate, I've got to learn how to landscape and uh, build decks and shit like that now. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> when I am doing that on my own house, so and basically I'm just gonna, you know, pour concrete and make it up as I go along. See how we yeah. go. What I'm is scro- this Cro- Croatian migrant family in the 70s? Jesus, yeah, exactly. I'm scrolling through your timeline now. It's just a lot of footy tweets and then occasionally retweeting someone slagging off Nathan Brown. So <laughs> that's literally my what a brand, <laughs> or saying something like Darren Waller is unstoppable, like hashtag yeah. Raider Nation. The old NFL tweet about the Oakland Raiders, or Las Vegas Raiders every Monday. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, Perfect. thanks thanks very much for coming on, Harry. We really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll have you on either yeah, before thanks, or after Hatch. one of the Origin games as well. So say goodbye, Harry. See you later. Say goodbye, Dale. Bye. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. And it's goodbye from me. Enjoy the game. Bye.